I was in my usual Sainsbury's again today. I know, it's been far too long, and I'm sorry. I'm aware that many of you listen and read these dollops, mainly in the hope that there'll be another anecdote from Sainsbury's just around the corner. But instead, you have to put up with me blabbering on about revenge porn and eccentric martial arts practitioners. The lady helping me around the shop was someone new. We got chatting a bit, and she asked me if I had any plans later this evening. It's only now when writing this that I've realised that this might have been her propositioning me. At the time, I just took it as trivial small talk, but perhaps I've inadvertently rejected the woman who would have been the love of my life. Perhaps by unconsciously spurning this woman, I am responsible for the death of one or more people. For all I know, me and this girl might have had children, but now, because of my inability to read her subtle come-on, I have destined them to never being born. And what if one of those children would have grown up to discover a cure for all the world's diseases, or find a solution for world peace, or a way to eradicate the effects of climate change? Oh dear, what have I done? Hang on, I think i better pop back to Sainsbury's and just make sure that she wasn't asking me on a date. I don't want to be haunted by the notion that I might be in some way responsible for future global disease, warfare and ecological disaster. I'll be back. Okay, I'm back. It turns out that she was just making trivial small talk. Still, it's a weight off my mind. At least the world's problems don't lie at my door anymore. If anything, it's down to her, as now she's rejected me, potentially dooming the world to all sorts of untold horrors. I tried to point this out to her, but she freaked out and called security, who escorted me out of the building. So, I might have to walk those extra miles and shop at the Corp after all, Michael. The trouble is, in a small talk situation with a stranger, it's difficult to know the kind of answer to give when someone asks me a question about my life life. If I was to give a truthful answer to the shop assistant's question, do you have any plans this evening, then the answer would be so unconventional and odd that it kind of transcends the general parameters of the small talk framework. We are merely just passing a tiny amount of time, a few seconds in between walking to find the next item. It's difficult to truthfully answer her question in the few seconds we've got. The purpose of this small talk is merely superfluous, requiring basic general kind of chat. If I was a normal person, then my answer might be something like, oh, I might just watch a bit of TV and chill, but my life is a bit weird, and so if I was to give an honest answer to her question, then it would be, uh, I'll spend an hour or so writing up the conversation that I'm having with you right now, overanalyzing it in immense detail in the hope that it will be funny and entertaining for the few hundred readers of my daily blog and listeners of my daily podcast. I'll then do some work on a DJ set that I'll be doing at a folk festival in August. Currently, I'm mixing Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars with Northumbrian pipe music. I found that this kind of odd conversational exchange would happen quite a lot when I had an office job. I was so out of touch with the subjects that everyone else was chatting about. Did you see X Factor over the weekend? What about the football? And I just completely draw blank. Everyone in the office would say what they'd been doing over the weekend, watching X Factor or Strictly, going to the football, shopping, taking the children out. Then it would come to me and I'd say, I got drunk with a lot of Dutch, German and Polish sea shanty singers in Holland. And oddly, even though I think that all that is quite interesting, it kind of put the kibosh on the conversation because it's just not relatable. So when the shop assistant asked me what I was doing this evening, I just told her that I'd probably watch a bit of TV and chill. It's just a lot easier, especially when you're just talking in brief statements in between walking to the next aisle to get the next thing on my shopping list. But maybe if I'd been honest with her and told her about mixing Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars with Northumbrian pipe music, she would have found me a lot more interesting and might have been more amenable to the idea of a date. Maybe I should pop back to Sainsbury's again and tell her. I mean, it would be a shame if the only thing stopping us from having our planet-saving children is that I lied about my evening plans. What if it turns out that her three favourite things in the whole world are Mark Ronson, Bruno Mars and Northumbrian pipe music? I might be her perfect man and she'll never know. Maybe the world might be saved from ecological disaster, disease and warfare after all. Hang on, I'll be back.
Okay, I'm back. Yeah, it looks like I'll definitely have to make that two-mile walk to the corp now. She told me that I was a weird stalker and called security again. As I was being dragged out, I tried to explain to her that I wasn't a stalker and shouted to her that she'd understand everything if she just went to my website where I've written all about her and our meeting. Oh, it's late. I think this might be the first dollop that I have read under the influence of alcohol. See if you can tell the difference. I'll probably read it much better than normal. David's Daily Digital Dollop. Dollop 146. The salesman never rang twice. Oh, thank you, Ben. It's the sound of tea going on the desk. Thank you, Ben. Regular dollop listeners and readers, I feel as if this should be a collective name for you. Maybe dollopies. Dollopers is ridiculous. Surely I am the dolloper. So you are a dollar peep, it doesn't sound very good. Suggestions welcome. We'll be aware that there are a number of regular elements in these dollops. Obviously, each dollop is unique, innovative and different. But within the dollop framework, there are a number of themes and characters that keep cropping up. So much so that I think it might be worth putting a glossary section on my website so that uh, newbies can look things up if ever they think that they might be references or in-jokes that they don't get. As well as the many recurring themes, there are, of course, the classic catchphrase I wouldn't imagine it would taste very nice. And there's also the regular characters who pop up. Mavis Crumble, inventor of the Mavis Crumble fart game. Pedantic Jules, sex-obsessed Chloe, to name just a few. And among the recurring themes and the recurring characters is Michael Wackington's passionate extolment of the Quarp. Ever since I mentioned shopping at Sainsbury's, my nearest supermarket, Michael has been trying to promote the virtues of the Quarp. Since I have been, albeit fictionally, banned from Sainsbury's, this gave Michael the perfect opportunity to once again sell the corp to me. Not literally. I'm not making that much money from folk. I mean, I might have to up my fee a bit. Maybe ask for more money and tell them that I'm happy to lose the standard sacrificial goat in return. It's an in-joke there. You need to consult the uh, dollop glossary if you don't understand that. But anyway, he's not suggesting that I buy the corp, only that I buy from the corp. Here is Michael's latest comment, and I quote... I have just returned from the quarp. Should I give him another? I'll give him a voice. I'll give him a voice. Come on, David, do a bit of acting. <clears throat> I've just returned from the Corp AGM in Manchester. Oh, he's Manchester. Hang on. I've just returned from the Corp AGM in Manchester, where it was revealed that in the autumn, Corp members. Yeah, that's gone a bit Yorkshire more than Manchester, but still. Corp members will get 5% of all brand goods, plus an additional 1% for a local community project. It will be worth your walk to the Corp now. Plus, it will be a great opportunity for you to conduct your social good morning, afternoon slash evening experiment. Well, Michael, as you can tell, that's not Michael now. I've now me again. Because I've changed my accent. Well, Michael, even though my ban from Sainsbury's is really just a fabrication done for mildly comedic purposes, I think that I shall, nevertheless, reward your persistence and thus venture to the Corp the next time I need to shop. And fear not, people, I know that you are all interested in and excited by this development, and therefore I shall record my Corp-based adventures on the dollop. So it looks like we'll be going on another walk together very soon. One of my reasons for shopping at Sainsbury's, other than it being the nearest supermarket to me, is because it is a big store and they have staff on hand to help me around the shop. So another element of the dollop will be to record my time in the corp, meaning that you get to experience the drama unfold live as I ask the corp staff for assistance. But the question is, will they live up to their name 
and be cooperative. There's only one way to find out. You'll have to listen to the dollop. Unfortunately, you'll have to be a little bit patient because I'm away from home until the 5th of June. So it'll probably be the 6th of June, Monday. Monday after next, when that special dollop happens. If you're a particularly busy person and you're not a dollop regular, make sure to mark the date in your diaries so you don't miss it. Monday the 6th of June, dollop 157, I believe. So well done, Michael. Unlike the salesman who came to my door today, you know that to sell something to someone, you need to have commitment, fortitude, and be passionate about the product. And that, my friends, is me linking very neatly and effectively to the next thing that I plan to talk about today. This is the kind of slick writing that comes with the sort of experience that you get once you've written 140 consecutive daily blogs. This morning, the doorbell rang. It's quite a long doorbell ring, about 15 seconds, and it's rather loud, too. Often we'll answer the door long before the doorbell has finished its deafening tune, meaning that for the first ten seconds after answering the door, we can't actually hear what the person on the other side of the door is saying. Today, I answered the door just after the doorbell had finished to find that the man who'd pressed the doorbell was walking back up the drive. He saw me open the door and then turned back around, saying that he'd assumed that there was no one in, but he'd waited less than 15 seconds, which seemed like a very short amount of time to stand there before deciding that it was a lost cause. The man explained that he was a salesman from Rington's Tea and that they were visiting people's houses to see if anyone would be interested in the Rington's Tea delivery service. Then, before I could say anything, he added, Yeah, I'm really sorry to bother you. And I understand that it's not for everyone, so uh, I'll leave you be. And began to turn away. I was so shocked by his diffidence and lack of confidence that I nearly called him back to tell him that actually I did want to avail myself of the Rington's tea delivery service. But then I considered that maybe this was his clever tactic. He was being an anti-salesman, pretending to be all shy and nervous in the hope that it would blindside me into signing up for the scheme. So I let him walk off and close the door. But a part of me was interested to know why he'd been so sure that I wasn't the kind of person who would want to take him up on the offer. Did he take one look at me and then assume that I couldn't afford it? Possibly like the shop assistants did with uh, the muesli in Sainsbury's, which I mentioned in Dollop 9. Remember that, Dollop nerds? Dollop 9. The glory days of the Dollop, many people say. Or does this man think that he's got some sort of special power that allows him to deduce whether a person likes tea or not just by looking at them? But he was wrong, because I do like tea. If only he knew that I am a big fan of tea, and I have even written a song about it. If only he knew that one of the recurring themes on my daily blogs slash podcasts has been kettles. Unless maybe he was aware of my dollop and assumed that it was pointless trying to promote his tea to me, thinking that, regardless of his sales pitch, I'd still just imagine that it wouldn't taste very nice. That's the catchphrase, everybody. So he decided not to bother trying to convince me. Of course, there is another potential reason why he wasn't particularly pushy about selling tea to me, which immediately sprung to my mind. And you might have instantly thought of this yourself, actually. Uh, Maybe he'd seen the recent anti-rape video published by uh, Thames Valley Police, which uses a cup of tea as a metaphor for sex. In order to illustrate the point about sexual consent, it uses the analogy of giving someone a cup of tea. For instance, it explains that if you offer someone a cup of tea 
and they accept, then that's fine. But if you offer them a cup of tea and they don't accept, then you shouldn't force them to drink the cup of tea. There are a number of other scenarios outlined in the video. If you offer someone a cup of tea and they accept, but then once the kettle is boiled and the tea has been poured, they suddenly decide that actually they don't want the cup of tea after all, then it is not fine to force them to have a cup of tea. Or if you offer someone a cup of tea and then they accept, but then once the kettle has been boiled and then you've poured them the tea, they fall asleep, it is not acceptable to wake them up and force them to drink the tea. Or try to force the tea down them while they are still sleeping. The moral of that story is get a better kettle that boils a lot quicker, rather than relying on a stupid kettle which is controlled by a pointless phone app and takes ages to boil, because it keeps getting disconnected from the Wi-Fi network, which, as dollop nerds will recall, was discussed in dollop 38. Maybe the Rington salesman saw this video, but for whatever reason never made it to the end, and then didn't realise that the cup of tea element was actually just an analogy for sex. Maybe he wasn't aware that it was an anti-rape video, and thought that the police were cracking down on anyone who tries to thrust tea on people, given that this is essentially the nature of his job to persuade people to buy tea using a variety of sales tactics. Maybe he freaked out and lost his nerve, and so he's now terrified to peddle his tea in fear that the police will arrest him. I guess we'll never know the real truth. Well, we've certainly covered a lot today, haven't we? Oh, I'm exhausted. I think I need a cup of tea. And as people will realise, at the start of the dollop, Ben brought me a cup of tea. So I'm going to go and drink that now. Ow! Coat hanger's just fallen on my head. Tomorrow I will be doing a recording for the BBC TV programme Springwatch. When I first heard from the BBC about this, I assumed that I'd been asked onto the Springwatch programme because they'd heard my walking audio dollop and perhaps wanted me to recreate the magic of those walks only for a wider television audience. Unfortunately, my big presenter break hasn't happened quite yet because it turns out that the other two young'uns have been asked to be on the show as well. Originally, we had been asked to be on the one show as part of BBC Music Day, which is Friday the 3rd of June, but Unfortunately, we aren't available that day, so we had to turn the one show down. But they were still quite keen to do something with us for BBC Music Day, and so we ended up being asked to do a recorded appearance for Springwatch. And tomorrow is the day that we record. Obviously, because it's a nature programme, there has to be some link between our presence on the show and the subject of nature. They asked us whether we had anything that might fit the show's remit, and obviously we said yes. I mean, we don't, but we're hardly going to turn down the opportunity to be on the telly, are we? Just because of some trifling little matter of being clueless about nature. We'd have said anything just to get on the telly. We'd have happily pretended to be devout Christians if Songs of Praise was in the offing. We'd have told them that we were passionate Josiah Wedgwood aficionados if someone from the Antiques Roadshow came calling. As long as we've got enough time before the show to have a cursory read of Wikipedia, we should be fine. So, tomorrow we shall be recording our appearance on Springwatch, singing a song and chatting about our music and how nature plays a part in our music and how it inspires us creatively. I mean, it doesn't really particularly inspire us creatively or factor into our music, but we want to be on the telly, and so we'll happily make up some lies in order to facilitate that. To be honest, the biggest link that we have to the remit of the programme is the fact that I am named after a bird. Yes, my uncle had a much-loved parrot called David, and they named me after that. You see what I did there, people? There's a bit of comedy for you there. A bit of comedy. Tick in the remit box. There has to be at least one joke every uh, two minutes. That's what I strive for. It's a big ask. Generally speaking, I think I managed to pull it off. We are a well, that's what happens. I, I pull it. When I say I pull it off, I mean that's what happens. If I don't manage to make a joke every two minutes, then I, I pull it off. 
and uh, it's quite painful, but it uh, is, a, is a bit of an incentive to get the uh, creative juices flowing. It's not the only juices that are flowing after pulling it off. We are recording the programme at 6pm, and so there is still time for us to swat up on some facts about nature. If anyone has any nuggets of nature information or wildlife jargon that we can maybe throw into the mix to help us seem like we are clued up about what we're talking about, feel free to leave a comment. The programme is the spin-off show from the Spring Watch programme called Spring Watch Unsprung, and will be broadcast on BBC Two at 6.30pm on Friday the 3rd of June. So that's two things you've got to look forward to now in June. The young'uns on telly, and, even more excitingly, my audio dollop visiting the Quarp shop. Yes, the month of June is really hotting up. Obviously, if anyone from the BBC is listening to this, I am, of course, only joking about our lack of nature knowledge and our general irrelevance to your programme. I am pretending to be ignorant for mildly comic effect, just so I don't have to pull it off. Don't worry, on the night you will see that I am fully clued up about wildlife and it won't be a case of us coming across as clueless, bumbling idiots making tits out of ourselves. Of course, on the subject of tits, I could regale you for days. Whether it be the blue tit, the willow tit, the marsh tit, or even... My particular favourite, the European crested tit. Although we'll be lucky to see a European crested tit, of course, because uh, we're not recording in the right location, as it chiefly resides in the ancient pine woods of Inverness and Strathbury in Scotland. It is uncommon for the crested tit to stray from this location, although there have been some occasional sightings in England, so you never know. But anyway, I don't want to bore you with my vast bird-based knowledge. The point is, as you can tell, BBC, you have nothing to worry about. This is a weird situation that we're in. We're in a pub at the moment with everybody working on Springwatch. And there's this kind of fixation. I think everybody is so used to having cameras around them. You know, you go into someone at Springwatch and you have every nest has a camera. We've walked into the studios where they've got like screens for every single thing, like every possible bird nest is mic'd up and camera'd up. What's weird is they really do love their jobs. So much so, and it is exemplified by the fact that right now we're looking at a, a scrum of cameras. Like everyone has their cameras out. To your left? To the left. People are taking photos of things. At the moment, there's not really anything that interesting going on. It's just people taking pictures of each other, having converse, conversations. And you might think that I'm kind of exaggerating here. Uh, mildly, and very mildly, oh, no, comic effects. Very fine that you are. I mean, <laughs> no. they're all on their phone tweeting things of pictures that have just happened or pictures that happened and it's just today. things that are happening in the pub as well to their friends as was it's because you get in that mode what's weird is normally though Michael if I was talking now yes. into a recorder yes. to you people would be asking me what's going on yes. but the fact that I'm interviewing you bear in mind that you're my friend you were in the same group as me, yet me and you are sat next to each other speaking into a digital recorder. Nobody no bats one bats an eye because everyone's used to it. <laughs> I could probably start interviewing the person next to me right now and she wouldn't bat an eye. She'd just start answering the question because it's absolutely normal. Well, well I, think, I think for the dollar, for the dollar yeah. purposes, I think you should just turn now to Laura. To every, to I haven't told anyone. Just turn to your... To Laura's, Laura's tweeting next to you, you know. Just turn around and just start, just start, start interviewing her without... I'm going to start... Okay. I'm not going to say I'm going to interview. I'm just going to do this. And so you're tweeting in the moment, Laura. 
Laura, what are you tweeting? I'm just checking to see what people have been tweeting BBC And what have we got? What have we got on the old hashtags and the apps right now? Somebody's a little bit annoyed that BBC Two scheduling have put Springwatch and Sewing Bee up against each other on the same night. But I've got news. I've got news. Because actually, Patrick from the Sewing Bee is on Unsprung. So that's actually the perfect storm for anyone that's a fan of Sewing Bee and Springwatch. So you've kind of got... I didn't even know there was a programme about sewing. Yeah, yeah, there is. And it's called Sewing Bee. I think it's called the Great British Sewing Bee. Uh, and it, it puts contestants against each other who have to sew under a time constraint. How much can you get from the thing of sewing? I mean, like, what is there to be had? I've only seen it once, and to be honest, um, it wasn't quite my, my bag. Uh, it wasn't no. my peg but, bag. Now, my point was to Michael... Because yes. everyone is so with their cameras, with their phones, always recording and doing things. In a normal situation, if I'd have just turned to you and started talking to you with a digital, clearly thrusting a digital recorder in your face, you'd have been perplexed, wondered what was going on, and maybe a bit shy. But the fact that I'm doing that to you and you work on the BBC, you're all in that environment where you're all constantly doing that. So it just seems normal. It seems totally normal, and that's the whole point of Springwatch. That's the kind of our USP. It's like our—it's the thing that we trade on. We turn up at a place, we bug it, we we put fifty kilometres of cable around a reserve, we stick cameras everywhere, and we record everything that happens for three weeks. That—that's what we're trading on. So I think the whole team are just used to being recorded and recording and telling stories for three weeks about everything we see. Yeah, there was a great incident that happened this afternoon, or this evening, where you someone was carrying a cake in and uh, they, they dropped the cake and originally the response was they dropped the cake and everyone laughed people stood up people applauded yeah. but then there was a kind of a a slight a disappointment lull. Yeah, yeah a lull and a disappointment across the place because they all realised that none of them had managed to capture that on camera and that would never be captured and that would never be got again unless we wasted cakes trying to take pictures of it that's what was very very sad is that one of my colleagues actually put a camera in the catering tent this very evening and did a time lapse of everybody having their dinner because <laughs> we thought it would be fun to show what it looks like to feed 120 people in an hour such as the amazing catering on Springwatch and then she stopped her time lapse oh. and two minutes later they dropped the cake a woman can film herself wearing a mask and laughing and get 100 million views you are putting all this effort in to recording wildlife there must be hundreds of cameras you were seeing something like 50 kilometres worth of cable yeah absolutely. and the thing that could have really gotten you your big break tonight was the dropping of the cake and everyone missed it because well, all the cameras are pointing at bloody birds you say that but actually we have had a few moments of, on Springwatch where the most unexpected things have performed really really well online so for yeah. instance last year when we were here at Springwatch, the star of the show, without doubt, was a tiny, one-inch long stickleback fish. Our little stickleback fish, we called him Spineless Simon. And Spineless Simon, to begin yeah. Yeah. With, I mean, that really gets his back up. Yeah, it did yeah, get his yeah. back up. And he was not a good specimen. He didn't really exhibit the behaviour you'd expect from a stickleback fish. The camera angle on him wasn't so let's, perfect. Let's look, at the, let's look at all the cliches that people are thinking. As soon as you said all the expected behaviour, think of all the cliches when it comes to stickleback fish. 
he wasn't exhibiting any of those things, or was he? Is what you're saying here? He just was a little bit of a, a little bit duff as a fish. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. certainly not the kind of story that you'd expect millions of people on the BBC to tune in to watch. No. He's and like, yeah, he's like Michael Hughes, basically, of the youngins. Let's think about fish. That was his. Uh, that was his nickname, actually, <laughs> Michael Hughes. But it turns out that he was a struggling hero and a single dad, and oh, his right. only job in life was uh, he eggs were laid in a small crater at the bottom of the stream he had to create a little tiny crater to keep the eggs safe and his only job was to fan the eggs and ensure a consistent flow of water over the top of them until such time that the eggs hatched and every single person was rooting for tiny spineless Simon and if he doesn't do it in time if he doesn't let his eggs hatch safely he dies and they perish and it wasn't until the very last day of spring watch that the eggs hatched and spineless Simon finally became a single dad and he timed it perfectly he really did and he was a total hero and so he became our woman in the mask he was our viral success very unexpected absolutely the underdog tiny little fish totally boring but the nation got behind him I know that's brilliant but doesn't this say something for the argument of vegetarianism and not killing animals because here we are in a situation where as soon as we anthropomorphise an animal which is obviously a living thing but we give it a personality and I'm not saying we give it a personality it may even have a personality but we find that personality and all of a sudden we fall in love with it you'd never want to eat it that stickerback fish you'd never want to eat it even if, I mean I'm not saying you'd want to eat a stickerback fish normally I would say it, one of the aims of Springwatch one of its aims and it has many aims but, but I would say its core aim really yeah. is to connect people with the natural world so we have a massive core audience that will always watch Springwatch but we're always hoping to reach a broader audience and a new audience people that haven't really thought about nature before people that don't think nature is relevant to them well obviously the dollop is doing this the, uh, I right hope now. that the dollop is doing this yeah uh, but it's certainly I mean you're not wasting your time Laura you're not just having a conversation with me I here. am enjoying oh. I'm enjoying the dollopers what? What's going on? Here we have a breaking news. Breaking news right now. Can we get some cameras over here, please? Okay. Is that an audio zoom? No. See, this is it. Never have I been asked a technical question before, but as soon as you come to the BBC, this is an Olympus. Uh, okay. Something or other, I have no idea. Do you find it good quality? It's, good, it's amazing quality for picking up boring conversations about digital recorders. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Now, what's the breaking news? What's the breaking news? Have we got I've, I've actually forgot what we no, said. No, we're on spring watch and sprung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so no, she no, said, no, no. She said, no. she was talking about Michaela Strachan. Yeah. And said, so Michaela Strachan presents the main show. Only because there always has to be a distinction so everybody knows what programme you're talking about. I feel as if Michael's got me here under a non-news story. To so, be honest, because I feel as if we knew we were on Spring Watch. No, but, but I thought you'd want, I thought you'd want to talk to Lindsay, obviously. I will talk to Lindsay because Lindsay is actually the presenter of Spring Watch. <laughs> I mean, we're having <laughs> a great com- Spring Watch on Spring. But Lindsay, hello. So what we're doing is what we're doing is I, I do this project where I have been <laughs> blogging now on a daily basis for 148 days consecutively. Because that's how many days we are into the year. Yeah. I'm sure you knew that. How's it going? Um, it's going. It's going about. I mean, it's going brilliantly, isn't it, people? I have to do one before midnight, and I was going to just type something up when I got back. It's 9:14. I, but then what happened though was I realised that everybody around me was getting cameras out everyone around me was getting recorders out and recording things it just seemed like that was the thing to do and I felt all of a sudden weirdly as if I was the odd one out for not doing that so I thought why don't I just take this opportunity to just do that and just do a dollop live right now 
Well, that's very good. You're going to interview us, basically. So I work week. on Springwatch Unsprung. So yeah, you yeah. will be interviewed by Mr. Chris Packham himself, who is the presenter of Unsprung. Of course he is, yeah. And yeah. I work alongside Chris, um, and I monitor all the user-generated content, to be really very specific about yeah, it. we've been very lacklustre with that at the moment. As we've been recording this, uh, my phone has been going crazy in my pocket. So and I haven't been analysing any of the user-generated content. Unbelievable. Well, you know. need to get right on that. So I monitor that Twitter, Facebook, Instagram questions that we're getting in on email everything that's happening in people's local area in spring so not only is it commenting on the show but it's also commenting on what's happening right across the whole country which is really important to me because it's not just about Minsmere it's about where you are and what you're doing and the wildlife in your area so I might chip in if we get a question specifically for you guys I might shout across the studio and say oh, I love it I love this because we were sort of saying that we weren't sure how much nature knowledge we necessarily would have to have and how much maybe we'd have to slightly blag it I don't want to say Lindsay but you know like sort of come up with an answer on the spot and I like the idea that we may have to do that oh, you and I want to yeah. I want to challenge anybody now we're recording it on a Thursday night aren't we you will and be and it's going it's out l- Friday uh, that's right so you're doing the pre-recorded I mean, come on. in the interest of transparency we have to point that out nowadays don't we we absolutely do if you are the pre-recorded show yeah, we, we need are. people to tweet in advance in advance on the Thursday oh, brilliant and what oh, I'll do what okay. I'll do is yeah. I'll get I'll get your Twitter feed up on my tweet deck yeah. so people are sending stuff and they include your Twitter handle which is the Youngins Trio send your questions in and then I can literally shout them over so, so how do they send them in what do they what do yeah, they yeah so if they tweet in the question the comment whatever it might be right. and then at BBC Springwatch yeah. at the Youngins Trio and then you'll get that and if you hashtag Springwatch it then I'll Springwatch de- just Springwatch or Springwatch it just sorry hashtag yeah what's going on have you not I mean, come on, Lindsay. I'm having a, it's like I feel so I'm training you here. Yeah, unbelievable. Hashtag Springwatch. Just hashtag Springwatch. Brilliant. Do that on Thursday, and if I get some really great, great questions in, you know, Chris will be... Chris will be give, us, give us a heads up, then. What kind of questions? Because listeners are thinking, oh, I'm going to put this one in, I'm going to put that one in. What kind of things would definitely, or more likely, get them on the air? What's, what are we looking for? What's your favourite fish? I would say Michael. Okay. Of course, you see yeah. what I've done there? I like a comedy. I I'm like bringing it. you, because it's not just about the nature. A lot of people are watching this for the young'uns, bringing a bit of comedy to and it there. Some of them are watching Michael. it for the weather. But then, you, you know, know what I'll do? What I I'll do? I'm going to say, my favourite fish is Michael. And everyone will go, oh, that's a bit, that's funny, that's funny. And obviously they'll be laughing, some people will be rolling around the floor. Pause it. Fortunately, nowadays, with catch up TV, they can they can laugh hysterically and would not miss a thing. Absolutely. So they can then rewind it back. That's and then right. they'll get the next bit of the joke, where I'll say, Michael, who is. A haddock, you see. So now I've brought it back because, to an actual fish. They, they were thinking, they're thinking I was weather talking about fish, and yeah. I'm actually talking about a real fish. That's wonderful. So there you go, what I've done there. That's lovely. That's brilliant. This is so, gold, people. Shall we if kill, you're listening at home, this is shall we, gold. Why don't we plot to kill Chris, and me and you can present this together, because I feel as if he's letting, him, letting everything down. I, I feel like without Chris, you and I could, you know, go on to world domination, but maybe we should keep Mr. him just... Mr Cooney, breaking news now from Mr Cooney. Uh, would you like a drink? If you're going to get one I'll have one yet? Yeah. Yep. Could uh, I borrow your wallet? Uh, yes, you can. There's the bag. It's all in there in the inside pouch. Are we at Midgonopy? Yeah, I'm doing this for an emergency thing. Although it's been the longest one yet. That's very kind, but I'm all right. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. She's all right because some people would need a drink to get through this, but not you because you're enjoying no, it so I'm much. Just, I'm just 
just ploughing through. Yeah, one ball. Good Springwatch reference there with the old ploughing. Well, yeah, that's very good. She's always on message. She can't help herself. Everything she says has to be a pun or an adjective or something to do with spring and the countryside. Absolutely fine. Photosynthesis. Exactly. Sometimes it doesn't quite work. Um, <laughs> Fledging. Well, maybe a bit later if you're lucky. Um, <laughs> well, thank you very much, Lindsay. My pleasure. My Thanks bad. for helping me out of a bit of a rut there with the old dollop. Excellent. <laughs>